Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, it's been a long old day at the tennis today. The US Open is in the quarterfinal stages, completing the semifinals. I'm David Law. Matt Roberts is with me. Catherine Whitaker was going to be with us uh, this evening, but um, sleep has called. <laughs> and she deserves it after the day she's had uh, on Amazon Prime Video, presenting one incredible day of tennis. We will we will share the podcast airwaves again, folks. I promise you. Um, but I don't think it's going to be tonight somehow. <laughs> uh, no, I've I've snuck out the room to record in a location I've never recorded in in tennis podcast towers, and left Catherine asleep good good call uh, no sign of billy jean the dog she's in her teepee i okay. think do not wake Catherine up when she's sleeping is pretty much rule number one of being a guest in Catherine's house <laughs> <laughs> exactly right uh, or billy jean um right well we've got plenty of tennis to talk about that much i can assure you of because uh, as we come to you now it is 4 18 in the morning and um, Novak Djokovic is currently level up at one set all with Matteo Berrettini. It's three love Djokovic in the third as we as we come to you. And uh, that's going on at, what, 20 past 11 uh, in the US at the moment. But we we feel like we've had a full day. We have um denied about when to record this because, you know, we don't want to sort of like record the podcast and then Djokovic's Grand Slam efforts end uh but we feel like we're on fairly safe ground right now but we'll see <laughs> famous last words i mean it is the thing i love the most about tennis or one of the things i love about tennis not knowing when the finish line is and the ebbs and flows of matches it does make it blooming hard to cover <laughs> yeah especially when you're on a completely different time zone to them uh, but anyway we're, we're doing our best for you folks we hope you're enjoying it um, and we do have plenty of tennis to talk about today which we can start 
with Emma Raducanu's win again. I mean, we were talking 24 hours ago, Matt, and we ended up thinking that she would win. But it still didn't make it any less startling to me that she did win and the manner in which she won against Belinda Bencic. What was it? 6-3, 6-4 today. Extraordinary, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I liked the matchup. It was just a question of whether she could compete with that class and that level because we've not seen it before. Um, very much in the same way we've not seen her play the world number 40 before and she knocked her off very easily. So the fact that she did it and in straight sets was surprising. Even if I thought she could, it was still surprising that she actually did it. Um, They're sort of balancing out this surprise and this shock factor of the whole story. You know, um, John Wertheim tweeted today that she wasn't even ranked in the top 10 in Britain a few months ago. And now she's in the semifinals of the US Open. It is shocking. And yet to watch her, it feels right that she's doing this. Every match has felt on her racket and in her hands. And sort of balancing out those two things is it's very, very hard. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Um, th- there's something that occurred to me whilst watching that match today is... is how once she's settled, once she's got her footing in a match, mm. she becomes a completely different player. And I, I wonder what will happen if at some point she doesn't settle. That that could be a different story altogether. But we, we just haven't seen that at the US Open because she seems to be able to last the three-set course, the best of three-set format, and navigate that to perfection. The fact that she hasn't dropped a set, set in the entire championship so far in qualifying or in main draw. I mean, that's 16 sets out of 16. And she just kind of gets to the mid-stage of a set and then realises, okay, I, I see what you've got there. I know what you're doing. I'm I'm okay with it. I can withstand that. I can absorb it. And now you're going to film my game. All right? Now you're going to feel my game. <laughs> and and actually, the, there's a bit of Naomi Osaka about that. The way we watched her in Australia at the start of the year. The way that she went toe-to-toe with Muguruza and was coming off worse. And then suddenly hit the afterburners. And there was a different level altogether that Muguruza just couldn't live with. Um, and I just find that really interesting with with a player of this this youth, this sort of, you know, un, untested and, and she doesn't even know what she's doing at times, I think. She doesn't even know how good she is. And and then suddenly it's just happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy Murray was on the Prime Video coverage in the build-up to that match, along with a host of brilliant guests, Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, all talking to Catherine on there. And Catherine asked Murray what his advice would be for Raducanu stepping on that court. And he gave such a brilliant answer. He said, most people would tell you to enjoy it. But that's really hard to do. And Murray suggested that you prepare for the worst case scenario, basically, which is (laughs) going down a break or having a tough moment and sort of expecting that to come. 
and how do you respond? And clearly, or presumably, that is something Raducanu had prepared for because it happened, didn't it? Straight away, she was nervous right at the start. She mm. didn't have her game. She went down a break, and Bengtschik was playing very, very well at the start of the match. But exactly as you describe, as soon as Raducanu held and got a foothold in the match, she became a different player. She became the player we've seen most of this tournament. And she was completely a match for Bengtschik. And Bengtschik is the Olympic champion. She's beaten world number ones before. And Raducanu was completely living with her and actually better than her through most of the match, which is why she ended up winning it. Um, but it, it did take a little bit of time, but there was no panic from Raducanu. There was just, I suppose, a belief, a trust in her game that it will come. And when it comes, well, I mean, as you said, we're learning so much about her game. I think she is as well. She, she gave an answer in her post-match press conference where... She was asked what she's been most impressed with about herself, you know, what has surprised herself in this tournament. And she mentioned her mental strength to be able to deal with these situations which she's never been in before on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. And she also mentioned her athleticism and her movement. She said, I'm getting to balls I didn't know I could get to. I'm doing the splits. Um, It's quite reassuring in a way that she's discovering at the same sort of rate that we are about her. Um, But yeah, I mean, when it all comes together, it's both a captivating game style that seems to be, you know, pretty methodical and planned, but also have a good deal of instinct in it as well. She she reacts to situations Mm. impressively. Um, And the one thing that gets me is the balance she has from the baseline. Particularly low down. Have you seen the way she withstands and absorbs these shots? I mean... I guess you'd think of players like Kerber and Radvanska mm. back in the day. She is virtually on the floor when she's hitting some of these shots and just her full body weight is down, taking the brunt of the, of the pace of the shots. Yeah, exactly. There was one incredible slow-mo of her, as you, as you say, crouched down on the forehand side and she hit a winner from that position up the line. Um, yeah, she just seems to anticipate that, get ready, and then sort of just uncoil herself and hit these shots. And it's so impressive. Um, as I say, I'm learning more and more about Raducanu, and the more and more I see of her game, the more and more you realise, yeah, she does belong at, mm. at this level. This is this is no fluke. Yeah. Excitement levels in this country right now are off the charts, really. I mean... I've talked about the profile being given to her on BBC Radio, for instance, and uh, we we totally moved the drive time show today to accommodate Emma Raducanu's commentary in a tennis match. That that just does not happen at five o'clock in the afternoon in the UK, and uh, it was it was great to see. I mean, the same will happen for the semi final. Uh, obviously, that's a different time slot. That'll be middle of the night, so it's a little easier. But looking at the the newspapers online. Uh, well, a couple of hours ago, she is on the front page of the Telegraph. She is on the front page of the Guardian, and uh, yeah, it's it's Emma mania, quite honestly. 
Um, what's it, what's going to be interesting, I think, for the next match as well is is the change of environment now because we've had the, the change of environment from outside court, court 17, to Arthur Ashe, and she's handled yes. it. I mean, there are differences. I think it's taken her a little longer to come to terms with it. And also, at the end, I've noticed quite sensibly there are security guards flanking her as she goes around the court to do all of her selfies which is now Mm. becoming her trademark (laughs) Um, but something that Mary Carrillo said in commentary tonight really I found fascinating she said that she had asked Emma whether she plans to have a hit tonight under the lights given that she will be playing the night match at the US Open uh, basically tomorrow and she said oh I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and she, she has never played a night match at the US Open. She has no idea what the conditions are going to be like. And Mary's saying, well, it's going to be slower. It's going to be dead. The balls are not going to do what she thinks they're going to do based on her previous experience. I mean, imagine that. The young woman has just not, not got a clue what she's supposed to do now. She's just <laughs> going to go and do it. Yeah, it's the sort of perfect situation to resemble how new this all is really for Radicanu and how kind of out of place it is in on the one hand and yet the way she's been responding suggests that she belongs as I've said um, and I think Ash Barty spoke about having the night session match against Rogers and the change of conditions and I think of Ash Barty as the player who best adjusts to new conditions and she found it tough I think she yes. she recognized that it was just as you've said there deader slower less alive um less responsive to her shots and that will be a big adjustment for Radicanu to make particularly you know spoiler I'm sure people know but Sakari is her opponent and she's played quite a few night matches this tournament yeah. she's very used to those conditions Mm, yeah, Sakari faced Karolina Pliskova tonight and beat her pretty handily, 6-4, 6-4. So that means that both Catherine and I have had success in the predictions in the newsletter today. You have. You completely called that, David. Um, I put way too much faith in Karolina Pliskova and probably will not be doing that again. I, I thought <laughs> she was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> roll on the Australian Open. <laughs> Um, I thought she was pretty flat and listless, Bliskova, really. But that was heightened by the intensity of Sakari and how well she was playing. And I thought the match would be played on Pliskova's terms because of her serve and the court conditions. But Mm. actually, it was all played on Sakari's terms, partly because of her serve. I think she probably had the best serving performance she's ever had, won 22 points in a row behind her serve and yeah I mean she finished at 2.15 a.m against Andrescu the other night played for three three and a half hours and I know she's fit but for there to be no let up whatsoever did impress me and Mm. did blow me away and yeah Zachary who lost a heartbreaking semi-final at the French Open earlier this year for her to put herself back in that position the second next available opportunity is really impressive from yeah. her and she's going to take 
a lot, you know, it's going to be very tough to beat her. Mm. Uh, I am slightly surprised that her game is responding well at night under mm. those circumstances, you know, because I think of her as a, a topspin heavy player, um, certainly on the forehand side. But I mean, she can do more than that, of course. And she's shown that. But um, yeah, I, I watched back the the clip that uh, Tamani Cariol posted on, on Twitter tonight of that French Open post defeat press conference and it was it was it was lump in the throat stuff really because she's she seems such a, a lovely person she does and she wants it so much for so many different reasons for herself for her family for her team and really for her country she is so mm. patriotic she's so desperate to do it for Greece and to prove herself it seems to me and um She's getting closer, to use the old Andy Murray line. She's getting <laughs> closer all the time. And I've got to say, I, I pick her to beat Radicanu. I think she she is going to be too experienced, too strong, too relentless, and eventually too good. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you could well be right. Um, Daniela Hantakova made the point on Prime that at least for Raducanu, in this match, she is kind of just as experienced because, yes, Sakari has had a Grand Slam semi-final once before, which we've mentioned, but she's still trying to reach her first Grand Slam final. There's still a big breakthrough for her to be made there and there could be some pressure. There was a very, very, very small hint of it tonight when she got her two match points in the final game was that when she hit the drop shot she framed a forehand out and then hit a drop shot wide and you just thought oh no don't do that don't do that do what's got you to this position and then you know credit to her she she reset very quickly and and won the match but yeah I think I probably agree with you um I'm just finding it very hard to predict Raducanu to lose because she keeps coming up with it in all there's the situations a, where you a, think she a might mystique not. mystique about her, isn't there? There's a there's a feeling that she has magic hands. And yeah, and I thought maybe the mystique might have gone a little bit coming into this match, you know, she's come through four rounds. She's a known quantity now. I thought maybe there was a bit of element of surprise about her in these first few rounds and why she was beating opponents so easily. And I thought Bencic would be completely aware of the threat that she would pose. And look, maybe Bencic was and Raducanu was just too good for her. I think that I think that's probably the case. Um, Bencic didn't have a particularly good day after a strong start. Her Her performance did fall off, but... You know, we said the same about Rogers. Mm. Perhaps, perhaps there's something Raducanu is doing to them that is, that is forcing them to drop their level. Um, but as as you say, I think Sakari will be ready. You know, she she leaves no stone unturned, does she, Sakari? She will be up for it and ready. It's really just a question of whether she can handle the occasion. I suppose. Yeah, there's a. There are some question marks here for me about Sakari as a, as a player on that stage in those circumstances, particularly up against if Ranakanu does get going, if she mm. starts getting going and hitting her her drives down the line with on both flanks. It's um, 
it's a pretty difficult combination to overcome. But I don't know. I the the way the players Sakari's beaten to get to this point. I mean, she's beaten Petra Kvitova. She's beaten Bianca Andreescu. She's beaten Pliskova today. I mean, these are such difficult players to beat. Um, on, uh, players who've been there and done it at this tournament. I mean, and and the win against Kvitova is against a big hitter. So I th- I feel like she's. She's probably had really good preparation for this match, uh, this type of opponent. So, mm. And I must say, I think as fit as Sakari is and as physically strong as she is, I think it's significant that she won easily tonight. I have a bit of an issue with this scheduling at the US Open. You know, Raducanu started her match seven hours before Sakari and they play again tomorrow. That doesn't seem particularly fair, really, in terms of equal recovery time for the players. Um, given it's Sakari and given it was quick tonight, I'm not sure it will end up being a factor mm. in that match. But, you know, it was something I thought of. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What's your feeling about the other semi-final of uh, Leila Fernandez against Irina Sabalenka tomorrow night? That's the one that's first, isn't it? That's seven o'clock local time in in New York, so midnight UK time. What are you thinking? I'm leaning Sabalenka. I find that such an interesting match because Sabalenka feels like even more of an unknown quantity in this particular environment. Her, this is her, her second Grand Slam semi-final after the um, the loss to Pliskova, and she she came up 
badly short in that match in terms of just the, the, the moment, the occasion, it all overcame her a little bit. And then you've got Fernandez, who's a complete unknown. Uh, and she's just suddenly come along and she's doing what Raducanu's done and and probably is going to love it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think it all depends. Maybe this is too reductive, but it feels to me like it all depends on Sabalenka. Mm. I, th- I think if she's playing her best, she could overwhelm Fernandez. She could tee off on that serve and just have too much game too much power and that's no slight on Fernandez because I sort of think that about everyone who Sabalenka faces it just comes down to whether they have a game that can disrupt perhaps and I do think Fernandez probably does you know the the way she can change the direction of her shots her her leftiness is just an inherent disruptor I suppose just naturally um but Sabalenka's been good this tournament, and if she brings that level, I give the edge to her, but very tight margins. Mm. Yeah, well, much to look forward to, and those two matches from 7 o'clock local time in the US uh, on the East Coast and uh, midnight UK time. Um, and I will be commentating on uh, one or maybe two of those matches. <laughs> I'll find out at the time. Uh, very much looking forward to them. I was commentating tonight on, as well, after the, the Raducanu match had completed, I, I commentated on Alexander Zverev getting through against Lloyd Harris in three straight sets. Um, ended up being fairly straightforward, but that first set, really, Harris should have won it. He, he, he got a break up. He served for it at 5-3. He went into a tie break and... And then the tiebreak records came into play because Zverev had, has won two for every every three that he's played. He's won two in the course of his career and his year, whereas Harris has won one, lost two. That tends to be his record, and I think mm. he'd lost his last six um, tiebreaks. So he and he blew it to be honest because he was the match for for Zverev until that point. Yeah, and he did the same against the Pelka, didn't he? He made a mess of the first set when he served for it and then lost the tie break. And it just felt to me that he couldn't afford to do that against Verev, a, a different calibre, a higher calibre of player. You know, you don't get that many chances and that was his chance. And who knows what would have happened if he had taken that first set. But he then had a real drop-off in the second set he actually got very frustrated didn't he after the first set and threw his bottles of energy drinks all over the court um <laughs> it was... claimed claimed it had slipped out of his hand when it when the whole stadium had seen him just literally throw them onto the court yes and he se- he seemed to kind of forget that there was very clear video evidence of it all <laughs> uh, in that he's on live tv and everybody caught it around the world, and he basically just chucked his bottles on the court. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then an army of ball boys and girls were called upon to clear it up. Zverev came round to clear some of it up as well, and, you know, I was just thinking, clean up your own mess. <laughs> it did look pretty sheepish. Um, Billy Jean... Um, wasn't overly impressed with it, as you can hear. <laughs> you just heard all about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, after that, Zverev really just took over. And um, 
I mean, he's into the semis. He will now face the winner of this Djokovic-Berrettini match that's going on at the moment, which actually Berrettini's just having a little bit of a flash of inspiration here in the in the third set. Uh, Djokovic had a chance to get a, a 5-1 lead, and he didn't take it, and now it's 4-2. Um, but it's, it's interesting, actually, uh, just thinking about that. The first sets that Djokovic has been playing in these championships, the last three matches he's played, he's lost the first set. And uh, it's not all going his own way, is it? it? He's he's kind of he's persevering. He's he's getting there, but he's not getting there comfortably. He doesn't look. I don't know what it is. Whether it's a, whether it's a New York thing versus say a Melbourne thing, um, and maybe it's not about him not having form, but it's he doesn't look as in control of of, of his own destiny as he does in certain other places. Yeah, I agree. I think it's what he's going for, the stress of it. It's the toll of it is a lot for one person to bear and to take. Um, it has been a bit of a theme of his Grand Slam season, dropping first sets. I think this was the ninth time that it's happened to him this season. Um, but his patience and his ability to reset and refocus and not panic in matches is extraordinary, especially over the best of five sets. And I think that's why it's ended up being this year that he's going for the Grand Slam because he's still an extraordinary tennis player. He still has so many parts to his game and elements to his game which make him the best in the world. But I don't necessarily think he's playing better tennis than he ever has in his career. You know, think of some of the seasons Djokovic has had and his level has been extraordinary. But... What he does have is an understanding of managing tennis matches mm. and managing adverse situations, I think, better than ever. There's there's a belief and there's a confidence and there's experience and he can draw on all of those things and come through. Yeah. Um, I think the vast majority of tennis players, if they were to lose a 7-5 first set that they kind of felt in charge of or at least perfectly in would just have such a dip of patience and kind of mm. belief and why sort of why me why is this happening i is what i i'm sure i would feel like that i'd feel persecuted to be honest if if um in some of these situations but and i think he does have a bit of that but but he's he learns to just ride it out and gets himself into the second set and before you know it, he's 3-1 up. <laughs> it, just, it just happens so often. I mean, uh, that's what's happened again in this match. Um, but, yeah, I think there are certainly reasons why the form's verbs in that he would have some hope, that he would think that he might be able to win. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes um, because that may well be a, um, certainly a few days away anyway. Right, now what else is going to be on the court tomorrow? I'll just have a quick look at the other results that we've had today because in the women's doubles we've had uh, Buskova and Hrdechka beaten by Stefani and Dubrovsky. Um, Stefani's having such a great season. She, of course, won the Olympic bronze medal. And Coco Goff and Katie McNally also winning in the uh, the women's doubles quarterfinals against Shea and Elisa Mertens. Um, 
it's also been a win today for Garacci and Krapchik uh, over Nicolesco and Roos. Um, so that means tomorrow we have uh, an order of play aside from those singles matches on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's a cracking day. And actually it's totally, totally the other way around because things start at midday in uh, New York time on the Louis Armstrong court with the doubles and they've got back-to-back doubles matches in the daytime and nothing in, in the evening session and it's the, the opposite on the Arthur Ashe Stadium but it's Steve Johnson and Sam Querrey the United States pair up against Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury the four seeds at, uh, at midday there um, US time and then followed by Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez against John Piers and Philip Polasek of Slovakia. So uh lots of doubles tomorrow. A big day for Britain yeah. with all with those back-to-back doubles and then Raducanu to come. Yeah. I mean the hype that is going to take place tomorrow is just going to be ridiculous. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of glad that Emma Raducanu doesn't know too much about it because <laughs> I think she's being fairly shielded from it all. Um Yes. Yeah, she wasn't aware of any of the records surrounding her was she she was oh, really i think she was told on the court that she was the first qualifier to reach the semi-finals of the u.s open um she was told in her press conference that she's going to be the british number one from next week and she said oh that's cool um but you know she didn't know about it and she wasn't really i don't want to say too bothered by it because that makes it seem like it doesn't matter to her i'm sure it does but She's focused on the task at hand. And I think, as you said, she is being pretty shielded from it all. And that is that is allowing her to just go on the court and play her game. Mm. Uh, the, there was one mildly amusing moment where I think it's the current British number one, Johanna Conter, tweeted shortly after the match had concluded, but not about the match, not about um, Emma Adekano at all, but about grand designs which is a TV programme here in the UK. Yes, a very good TV programme. But, um, yeah, it was noticeable that all the other British players were congratulating Emma Raducanu. And Conta, yeah, wasn't just silent on social media. She was actually tweeting about something else. She was just doing something else. (laughs) (laughs) She's got her own life. Um, So, anyway, uh, Emma Raducanu will go for... The U.S. Open final tomorrow night. That takes some getting used to. It does. It sounds extraordinary. I think Catherine said on Prime, what is happening? And that is the feeling that I have. What is going on in this tournament? Yeah. It could be an all-teenage final. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, I know we've just sort of picked that that won't happen, but it's still... Yeah, and I think that's the sort of dream final from this scenario. Look, nothing against Zachary. She she would be a great story. Sabalenka is, in my mind, probably the best player without a major on the WTA Tour. I mean, I guess Svitolina and Pliskova would would be in that conversation as well. But just the level we've seen from Sabalenka Mm. on the tour is so high, and she's not been able to do it at majors. Those are great stories as well, but... This sort of whole two-week tournament has been defined by the teenagers. If they were to actually make it all the way to the final, it would be completely incredible. Mm, it sure would. 
Well, Novak Djokovic has just won a set, hitting 13 winners and three unforced errors. Oof. So good luck playing against <laughs> him in that form. Um, yeah, well, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. We have this week our mascot, Francis the Cat. Matt has Scousel Mousel. I have Rogue. Catherine has Zeus. And Billie Jean has Billie Jean King, who's been on the TV with Catherine tonight. And uh, Billie Jean the dog has been watching. Very, very interested uh, observer. And um, do we have some shout-outs tonight, Matt? We do for Katie Chalton. All right, Katie. How you doing? Thanks ever so much for your support. Like Katie McNally. Is that the spelling? No, it's like Katie Bolter. Oh, okay. All Katies are very, very <laughs> welcome here on the tennis podcast. We have Francis Wynn. All right, Francis. Thanks a lot. Francis is in Francis Tiafo. Oh, very good name. And we have Rod Parker. Cheers, Rod. Top bloke. Uh, and talking of top blokes, we have our executive producer for the tennis podcast this year, which is Chris Albert Lee, who is currently leading the standings in the newsletter predictions for the US Open. He's potentially on for a record score, I think. Mm. He, he's he's very good at this game, Chris Albert Lee. Is there yeah. anything he can't do? He mm. can guest edit to relived show, yeah. beat us all in predictions. He got about 65 Talented points guy. last night. What did he get 65 points for? Who did he get right? He had Fernandez in three over Svitolina. Crikey, how's he come up with that? Anyway, well done, Chris. Um, so, yes, uh, predictions are already in for tomorrow, I think. Oh, well, I've sort of said what I think is going to happen. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, but no, we've got a bit more time till we get the newsletter out. So make sure you sign up. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow after those two women's semi-finals. Exactly what time, I don't know. Probably be this sort of time because they're going to be in the middle of the night, aren't they? Um, but we hope you've enjoyed this one and we will talk to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.